How are y'all doing tonight? Yeah? Feels like you come out of a moment like that and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I could take a nap actually. It, 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 don't sleep in church, but maybe turn some worship music on at home and play that as you try to take a nap because it's kind of nice to just rest in the presence of God, right? Hey, we're going to be uh, starting a new, ser a new series of talks here tonight. Um, we'll be doing it for the next couple weeks leading up to Easter. Then we got some special stuff planned in April and May for the end of youth this school year. But I'm excited about this talk in James because it can go so many ways. The book of James is just, it's a great book of the Bible because it, it basically outlines what it means to live a moral and right life before God. There's just, it's just practice after practice. Try this, do this, have faith in Jesus. But if we go and talk a little bit about, about James, it's really cool because if you look at this, this verse, and you guys can throw it up on the screen back there. I, I forgot my thing again, my clicker thing, but that's okay. If you look at this verse, uh, we're talking right here, James 1.1. 1, 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Now, let's do a little backup history on James. Many scholars and um, biblical theologians consider James, the writer of this book, to be the brother or half-brother of Jesus, right? So, maybe you knew James as a disciple, maybe you knew James as the half-brother of Jesus, but this book is said to be titled in the years 44 to 64, thank you, sir, after the death of Christ, uh, was written by James by Jesus' brother. That, that's almost without question. But it's cool because he doesn't throw that accolade right there. He starts with a servant of God in the Lord Jesus of Christ. Not one time in the book of James does he actually say, I'm Jesus' brother or anything like that. No claim to fame. He's the same as any other guy, right? But James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem and wrote this book to them. It's the early church. So back in the fall when we read through the book of Acts, that would have been the church that James was writing to in this situation. Writing to those in Antioch, those in Jerusalem, and as they spread from there. This, this particular passage, um, as we start the, the first part of James here, is uh, easy to read, but a little bit perplexing in a way. Let me explain it to you. Let's read, let's read through it really quick. Starting in, in verse 2, it's Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So here's, we, we give a little bit of, of the history, right? But the, the thing that's, that's hard reading this is it says right at the beginning, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. In different translations of the Bible, it'll say um, trials, tribulations, challenges, Adversity, all these different concepts, right? But the, the part that catches me every time is it's considered pure joy. I don't know about you, but I have a problem being joyful in circumstances that are not joy-filled. 
right? I mentioned just a few of them as we were ending worship there, right? There's so many things that come into our lives and just mess up everything. Everything that we want to have as a plan for our life, everything that we want to do in the future, our families, our friends. So many times, circumstances just shake us and leave us wondering, where is God in all of this? But the other part of that verse, or starting in verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Right? Perseverance. Because the reality is, is no matter what you're facing in your life, if you weren't to face that, I mean, what would life really be, honestly? Just a joy-filled, happy, all the time, nothing goes wrong, I get to do whatever I want kind of reality. It's the circumstances that, in a way, make life interesting, right? But I want to... I want to dig into that a little bit more. So, end all be all, the point of everything we go through, this, this really big, great challenge that life often feels like, is hard to, to comprehend. I, I find myself sometimes, I look up at the sky like this, and I just go, hey God, are you still up there? You ever do that? Yeah, no, yeah? I'm hearing crickets. Does no one really actually do that? You do. Show of hands who does that. We like to raise our hands, we don't like to say words. But I'll just look up and go, whoa, that was really intense, God. I, I don't know why you just put me through that. I don't know why I'm having to step into this situation. All the time, actually more often than not, right? But then I think of God Somewhere where I'm looking, right? Somewhere up there, right? That's where we kind of view heaven as this place far above us. Wherever God is, right? We picture him at times. I'm not saying that this is all the time, but we picture him at times and he's up there and he's just like in this perfect place. He's got this big, huge throne. It's all made of gold. Just everything looks great. He's probably got some fruit over here, some of the best meats over here, just like Perfect. Just the idea of perfect. Maybe he's by a pool. Maybe he's by the ocean in the Caribbean. Whatever you envision as the perfect place, right? And when we say, God, did I really sign up for this? Did I really sign up for all of these problems? Did I really sign up to go through life feeling like I just keep getting smashed by circumstances? He looks down says, you did. You signed up for it. And that's when I just go, oh, come on, God, that's the best you can do. You could just say that I signed up for it. Where am I going with this, guys? That view of God, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that view of God is not a correct view of God. He's not just like up somewhere in his perfect realm looking down at us and saying, yeah, sucks to suck, someday you'll be in heaven. That's not who God is. In, in any way, shape, or form, that's not who God is. The God of the Bible, who we too quickly to assume is just so far away, is right next to you. He's in this room. I like to do a play on words sometimes when I'm talking to myself. 
or to other people. I, I do it sometimes when I post on social media and, and about church. I say, come to church. God's going to be there. Do you ever think about it like that? Come to church on Wednesday night. God's going to be there. Does that make it feel just a little bit different when we walk through the doors of church? It's kind of this idea that, yeah, God's everywhere we go. But like, hey, guys, guess what? And you're going to think about this now. As soon as you sit in the car with your parents tonight or you drive home, God's going to be there. As soon as you step into the next situation that just starts to kick your butt, God's going to be right there. In Philippians, the writer says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And Paul literally writes to the church in Philippi, the Lord is near. It doesn't say God is sometimes around. Doesn't say that sometimes when we ask God for peace, he'll show up and give you peace. It says the Lord is near. He's right next to you. He's in the room with you. He wants communion with you. And his peace that passes all understanding, that transcends our knowledge, that goes far beyond anything that we can understand, that is really just impossible to put to words. Because if you look in that passage, if you go and it's really nice if you ever use the version app, you can highlight anything and compare it to all these different versions. Almost every version would use a different adjective to describe the peace that passes all understanding because it is impossible to put words to the peace that God gives to us. But when we talk about this idea of going through trials, tribulations, when stuff hits the fan, when life just does not deal you the cards that you feel like you should have gotten, God's still right there. And his peace can be still right there. Sometimes I'm just ready to doubt my circumstances, my peace. I, I say, you know what, uh, dude, this is just too big this time. God, I, I, I feel like I'll just work it out quick and then you'll step back in and you'll be there for me, right? This is a little bit too big to pray about. This is happening really fast. I need to just figure it out on my own and then we'll pray about it later and say thanks God for wisdom that just was with me the whole time. Yeah, sometimes partnering with God, praying, slowing down can feel a little bit harder in a moment. Might take a little bit of humility. That's always my problem. Because I don't want to ask for help. But when you're willing to have the humility, then he's right there. He just wants you to ask. So I want to tell you a little story about uh, a trial in my own life. Um, we're going to go all the way back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep this as short as I can. We're, we're already running a little bit behind tonight. But I wanted to give you something that's relatable. Okay, hopefully you can relate with me. Come down to your level for a second. Story time with old man Cole. So when I was about, I want to say fourth or fifth grade, I started to experience anxiety. But not just like anxiety, like, oh, I'm a little nervous to play the sports game. It manifested itself in an eating disorder that I had. Now, I had like a lot of shame around it, but I didn't necessarily even know what was happening, except that whenever I would try to go somewhere, 
I would get like really sick to my stomach and have to use the bathroom or sometimes I, I at first, I remember vividly the first few times that this happened to me, I had no idea. Wasn't sick to my stomach, just really nervous, had some anxiety. Next thing you know, I'm on my way to the car and I can't make it all the way to the car, so I pull over to the, to the ditch and just in my driveway. I just had to get out everything I was in at the time. Fast forward a little bit, I, I go sixth grade, seventh grade, still have this crippling anxiety. I cannot eat in front of people, cannot function. Um, if there's food in my stomach in a social setting, I was homeschooled, so that was a benefit in this situation. But just messed me up, guys. I didn't really care what my body looked like. I didn't really care what people, I mean, I probably cared a little bit what people thought about me, but that wasn't the point. It was, it was debilitating to try to eat. So I went to this worship conference. It was, I went to it three years in a row, actually, and I experienced anxiety every single time I went. And one year at its peak, probably the worst that I remember my anxiety being, I went five days, so six nights, five days, and I ate Pop-Tarts and Arnold Palmer. That was it, because that was the snack I had in my room and I couldn't eat in the cafeteria while I was at the conference. Got to the point in the last worship set, we were doing like this, we were worshiping, jumping up and down, and I had such cramps in my stomach from not eating or drinking anything, because I didn't do that either, that I like was basically falling to my knees in like a, this huge like side ache kind of feeling. Not a health guy, I don't really understand why my body would do that, but it did. Let's keep going a little bit. That's sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Ninth and tenth grade were fine. I, I learned to cope with it in a way. But then I started dating in high school. Don't recommend dating in high school. Works for some people. I didn't, it wasn't a good idea for me. <laughs> started dating in high school. And uh, specifically would plan dates or do things with um, my significant other so that I wouldn't have to eat food because I couldn't do it. Shared my anxiety thing with her. I almost wore it as a badge of honor. Like this is the thing I struggle with. But it got to this point, guys, where I, I remember I was telling Jessica a little bit about this, and I was like on my knees in my bedroom. I can vision it right now. There's a window in front of me. I'm on my knees, and I'm just praying, God, why am I experiencing this? I am so over it. What else is there to learn? Because, yeah, I, I was a church kid, so I grew up in church and like understood the Bible. Like We only go through bad things because they teach us something or some way that we can relate to someone else. Six years later, guys, I was like, what in the world do you want to teach me in this situation? I don't want to feel like this anymore. When my knees didn't work, I started laying like this on my face. And I was just like, God, I'm done. I don't want to feel like that. That's like another way to worship, right? We can lay prostrate before the Lord. It's a sign of like ultimate humility in his presence. I was like, maybe if I just lay down, like that's what he's trying to teach me, that if I lay down in front of him, then, then I'll be healed. Then I'll be gone. Came up for prayer. Got anointed with oil. The whole nine yards. And I was like, what in the world do you want to teach me? Anybody ever struggle with something like that? It's okay. All right. You can share. It's not uncommon 
And I don't share that just to like relate with you. I'm not exacerbating the details. If anything, I'm probably toning it down a little bit so I don't have to tell you puke stories, but I wish I could say that it was just a flip of a switch. But I, I like what we talked about healing last week. I like what Alice said about, you know, when it doesn't come right away, we just keep asking for healing. And sometimes it just slowly fades away. Today, I don't have anxiety in the form of an de eating disorder in any way. Yeah, amen. It carried me, it followed me, lived with me all the way through high school. I probably didn't really experience full freedom until my senior year. So that's middle school to senior year, some of probably fourth and fifth grade. Just wrecked me, guys. Slowly, slowly got better to the point now where, yeah, I get nervous to come up and talk in front of you guys. I'm even more nervous if I have to do this on a Sunday morning with all the scary adults. But he really is faithful and he really is good. So my first point in the message today is every challenge has a purpose. Now, I wish it was as easy as to say, hey, God, God had me experience anxiety through an eating disorder. I puked up my guts out for like six or seven years because now I get to do this. It's not always that simple. I really wish that it was. And honestly, for some people, it is. For some people, you're going to have like divine appointments of ministry where you're going to be able to speak into someone's life because you experienced something that made your faith in God so great in that circumstance that you can bring you can bring the Holy Spirit, you can bring God into that moment easily. If you struggle with anxiety and eating disorder, I would love to pray with you because I do get it. Probably better than someone who hasn't experienced that, right? And in many ways, I've had opportunities to pray for people. I've had opportunities to, you know, do that sort of thing. And it's good. But all of these different situations that we fall in, sometimes it's not a choice. Sometimes it just, it's just, it just happens. And you go down the road that just racks your brain of like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? I, I don't really know except for that. Faith that isn't tested really isn't worth anything. If you say you believe in Jesus, but you've never been challenged in your belief in Jesus, then I don't, I mean, you're missing something there. There's, there's something that's not yet fully clicked. And that might just be because you're, you're new to believing in Jesus. That might just be because you haven't gotten to that season of challenge yet. And that's okay. Like digging deep while it's still not like coming against you so greatly. But at some point in your life, you're going to have circumstances come against you that just, just mess you up, dude. And you're going to want to lay on your, on your floor, on your face, and ask God, why in the world does this have to happen to me? Whether it be now or when you're 45, 50, 60 years old. At some point, there will be a situation of that magnitude in your life. And it will produce in you so much fruit if you dig into God now. 
We're on this journey, but it's not just an uphill battle. It's kind of one of those twisty roads like in Europe. It goes down and up and all around, right? My second point, right here. Because I truly believe that God sustained me through those moments. Is that he is always ready to help when we ask. Now, yes, you could just say God's always ready to help, and he is. But you leave out this, this extra part, right? God is always ready to help when you ask. Sometimes we just want him to step in and sweep us off our feet. I, even as a dude, like straight up, that would be cool. It, like, I'll be the princess. Jesus can just like sweep me off my feet. I'm all about that. I mean, that, that sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? I, I don't know. It just does. But this is one situation where you have to ask for anything to happen. It just doesn't work that way. You can't just expect for God to step into your mess if you're not willing to invite him into it. All over the Bible, all over, literally all over. Read just like three or four chapters, you'll probably catch it. All over in Psalms, all over in Proverbs, all over in the New Testament. It says, call on the name of the Lord. It says, ask God for wisdom. It says, ask God for help. Ask God for guidance. Our God is so big that he can give you all of these things. And no matter your age, wisdom, guidance, understanding, knowledge, beyond your years. But if you don't ask, why would he? What, I mean, like, that doesn't even make sense. Straight up, if you, I mean, like, something very practical. Let's, let's just use an example here. Something very practical. Some, some guy just hands it to you. Doesn't know you, just like hands it to you. That doesn't make sense, does it? Make your request known to God. We're going to try to wrap this up now because we're, we're really running late. I want to give you some time in small group to talk about this. When you ask God for things he's promised, you can't doubt him. The first part of, of this verse that we talked about right in the beginning, we'll go back to it for a second. First part of the verse, literally to that uh, perseverance line, right? It finishes its work, not lacking in anything, any of you who lacks wisdom. So that's where we want to catch it. Right here. See the if? I gotta have a laser. Yeah? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Starting right there, that whole passage talks about asking God. In the beginning, it's faith. Perseverance. This is what's going to happen. You're going to experience things that really suck. When you do, it is an opportunity to produce faith in your life. Okay? But, you have to ask. You have to ask God. Because if you don't ask God, you're going to be swimming until you decide to ask God, basically. Right? But that's the part I want. we got to catch right here. You can't doubt him. The second part of the verse says... When you ask, you must believe, starting in, in verse 6. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Our circumstances already blow and toss us all over the place. Already I feel like a wave of the sea on some days. I don't want to ask God and then doubt it. Oh, we got one more point. Sorry about it. 
here's this, this conclusion as you go to small groups here today. This is what I want you to think about. God wants to show up in your weakest moments. You might be in one of your weakest moments right now. In my life, I feel like I am. One of the coolest moments I've ever been in my life. I absolutely love standing in front of you guys. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love dreaming up what we're going to do this summer to have fun. Absolutely love the events. Absolutely love getting to talk to you on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or anytime throughout the week. Absolutely love it. On the outside, it probably looks like I'm having a, like a great time. On the inside, probably in one of my weakest moments. Probably be challenged in some of the greatest ways yeah, that I have yet. This is the question that I came to realize this week. Was the whole point of talking to you about this, this passage today? Will you let him? You can probably go really far on your own. Probably really, really far, actually. A lot of you are smart. You have supportive social circles. You have cool small group leaders and great friends. You can probably go a long ways. Imagine how far you could go with God. Imagine what would happen if you let him help you. Because I find myself, I, dude, I'm sitting here. When was I here? Monday? Last Monday? I don't know. I was sitting here on the stage, walking in the room, just praying. And I went, oh, yeah, God, just help me to do this. Help me to do this. Help me to do this. Help me to do that. Help me to be this better. Help me to do that. Me, 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 me. I want to do, 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 do. Help me do it better. I missed it because I need him. I can't do it without him. So instead, I flipped it this week, today, Monday, Tuesday. I flipped it. I said, God, can't do it. I really can't. So instead, would you do it? Would you fix the situation? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me discernment? Would you give me the right frame of mind for what we're about to encounter? And he's showing up already. He's showing up in you guys. He's showing up on Wednesday night. He's showing up at church on Sunday morning. He's showing up in my home. He's teaching me how to be a better dad. Teaching me how to have a better relationship with Jess. But I had to ask him first. Because he didn't want to just let me do it all myself. So as you jump into small groups today, keep, keep this on your, on your mind this week. Will you let him? You start to get angry? Will you let him take away your anger? Will you let him diffuse the situation? Will you let him work in you? Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence. And we just ask for humility in our circumstances. God, I ask for humility in my circumstances that I would be able to recognize and realize where I've tried to do it. That I would be able to let you into that. That I would be able to let you be the difference. We love you, Jesus. Amen.